0: Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I am a hospice social worker. And today we're going to talk about why Centoia Brown's case is important and why you should pay attention. So Centoia has been in the news lately, you may have heard, uh, because she was granted clemency and will be able to get out of prison in August of this year, 2019. And a lot of you may not know her backstory, so I just wanted to kind of briefly describe that. Um, she was born in January 29th of 1988, and she was born in Tennessee. Um, you can, I'm really just going to skim over the details of this. You can certainly get a better idea, um, like I did, from watching the documentary by Dan Berman that was in 2011 called Me Facing Life. Syntoya's story and Syntoya is spelled C-Y-N-T-O-I-A. I I watched that documentary when I was still in my master's program and it really had a profound effect. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I started hearing about Cintoya in the news again, because I really did feel like it was unfair for her to have that life sentence. And that's why I'm doing this right now. So when she was in the womb, it's suspected that her mom was drinking and that she may or may not have some touches of fetal alcohol syndrome. That was brought up during her last parole hearings or uh, request for early parole. Her, after she was born, her mother uh, was reported to have been using crack cocaine, and Centoia was put up for adoption. And although her adoptive mother did try to give her a stable home, um, she already had several strikes against her, and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit here. Cintoya ended up running away when she was 16. This was in 2004. Uh, And before that, a couple of years, she had been kind of in and out of the juvenile justice system for a couple of years. Um, I didn't look into specifically what that was for, and I think they may talk about that in the documentary. So when she ran away and when she was homeless, she actually ended up getting forced into sex trafficking and had a pimp whose name I'm not going to justify here Um, He did end up getting shot and killed at some point. But he was the one that um, got her into the sex trafficking life. And that also is very well depicted in the documentary. So I highly recommend if you have any interest in knowing about her that you watch that. So in in August 5th of 2004, she met a guy named Johnny Mitchell Allen. Interesting Little tidbit that Mitchell was Centoya's original last name before she was adopted. So Johnny Mitchell Allen um, met her in a parking lot of a Sonic. And he asked if she was hungry and if she was homeless and ended up taking her back to his house. And there's some discrepancy about what happened that night. But in the end, she ended up shooting him in the back of the head and ended up stealing his wallet and a couple of firearms. This isn't disputed. She always admitted that she shot him and that she was stealing, but she claimed that it was self-defense. Investigators believed that he had been asleep when she shot him, and therefore it could never have been self-defense that she shot him uh, with the purpose of robbing him. But we're going to get into that, too. Um, So she, when she was arrested, she was tried as an adult, even though she was 16. Uh, And I don't think that's uncommon nowadays Um, for homicide, aggravated robbery, handgun possession and criminal impersonation, which I'm not sure what that is exactly. But so she was put on trial. The jury believed the prosecutors and decided to sentence her to a life sentence where she was not eligible for parole for 51 years. So she would have been, I think, 67 so, <clears throat> that is the short version of her life. Like I said, please watch Me Facing Life's and Toya's story. It's really compelling. Um, of course, there's two sides to every story. And if you're on the side of the person she shot, you may believe that she's just a bad egg and she deserved to get her prison sentence. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the other side. Um, I can't dispute how people feel about that, but if you watch the story and you take all the factors into account, this is not a cut and dry case. She wasn't, um, you know, brought up in a great environment and then all of a sudden one day decided to shoot someone in the back of the head. So I want to talk here a little bit about something called ACE score, or um, it was the Adverse Childhood Experience Study that was done in 1995 to 1997. There was 17,000 participants, and this was a collaboration between the CDC and Kaiser, and they wanted to study the positive and negative effects of childhood experiences. Um, ACES in itself could be an entire podcast, so I'm just going to kind of briefly go over this, but basically uh, these childhood effects, the negative ones, can seriously affect and influence neurodevelopment, social, emotional, and cognitive development, Health risk behaviors, disease, disability, and social problems, and even be a predictor of early death. Now, of course, none of the these are um, guarantees; they're all just risk factors. But as you see things piling on, you can see how it would be easy for someone to end up down this road. And in fact, the ACE scores, I. Couldn't see one. I didn't go through all the details and watch rewatch the documentary. But you could probably put in your own um, A score, which I'm imagining is pretty high for Centoya. It's really easy to take your own A score if you just Google A score. It's one of the first things to come up to take your own test. Um, but it, it ta- has many different factors about what are negative and positive um, experiences. So it's pretty easy to see when you do take the test. <clears throat> What kind of questions they're asking, like, have you lost a parent? Have you had um, any kind of trauma, physical trauma, emotional, sexual trauma, all these kind of things. And she clearly had many, if not all, of the uh, questions for her. So ACE scores was a big factor for her. She, they actually used the ACE score when they were trying to fight her life sentence um, a couple years ago when they were taking it to the Tennessee Supreme Court. To get her sentence lessened, they were arguing that it wasn't fair, and that um, that she had these, you know, terrible complications in her life, and that a life sentence wasn't fair—a fair punishment for her. Now, I'm not saying that if you murder someone, you shouldn't get, you know, in trouble and have some consequences. That's absolutely not the point of this. But I think we all can agree that uh, the judicial system needs a pretty good overhaul. And um, I'll talk about mandatory sentencing here in a minute. Another factor, of course, is that sintoya is African-American. And we all are pretty well aware at this point that African-Americans and minorities in general are overrepresented in the, in the justice system. Not only are they more likely to be arrested, more likely to be sentenced, but more likely to have longer sentences. And again, that could be an entire podcast in itself, which I think it will be someday. But not today. Today is just <clears throat> stating uh, one of the factors in Cintoya Brown's uh, situation. So what she's been in the news for these last couple days, and right now it is the 9th of January, 2019, is that she was granted clemency. And what clemency basically means is that <clears throat> they decided that the life sentence that she had was not fair, and the governor was able to grant clemency, which means she still has that guilty verdict, but she's allowed to be released earlier than her original sentence. In December 6th of 2018, so just about a month ago, the Tennessee Court Supreme Court ruled that uh, she, in fact, would not be eligible for, for parole until she was 51, which kind of started the whole. Social media and pressure on the governor to say, hey, your Supreme Court, uh, even after hearing all these factors, said that she still wouldn't be eligible for parole till 51. And that's not fair. You need to look into her case and have some have some leniency. Um, The detective that was on her case was against the clemency. He's firmly in the on the side of he the guy was sleeping and she was just out to rob him. So he actually was against that. So, like I said, January seventh, Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam granted release, and her release will be August nineteenth of two thousand nineteen, plus ten years of parole. And he stated, quote, "Imposing a life sentence on a juvenile that would require her to serve at least fifty-one years before even being eligible for parole consideration is too harsh." Unquote, and. <clears throat> Since she's been in prison, she's actually been a model prisoner. She's earned her high school diploma, earned an associates, and she's actually working on her bachelor. She's been a straight-A student. So she has potential to do something with her life. Um, unfortunately, Centoya is not an isolated incident. She is a juvenile, and um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but there's another documentary that talks about supermax prisons, and juvenile sentencing, I want to say it's in Colorado and these kids, you know, again, not saying that there shouldn't be a punishment, but life without parole for someone that's 15, 16, 17, that didn't even actually commit the murder, but was just with the person or, you know, happened to be driving the person and might not even have known that the crime was taking place. It's these mandatory sentences. Um, are really a problem, and I'm hoping that that's part of what the criminal justice system reform bills that the Senate and Congress is working on are going to look at, is there needs to be uh, options for the court to look at circumstances around what's happening, not just what the crime was and this is the punishment no matter what. And of course, I hope it also addresses the disproportionate minorities. That's not anything new, um, but it's certainly something that needs to be looked at and taken care of. So um, those are all things that are important to me. Um, they're, They're social justice values. They are certainly in the realm of social work because that's what we're here for. We're here to make sure everyone has a fair chance at life and, you know, if they do something wrong, that their punishment is equal to the crime and the circumstance, not just a uh, blanket sentencing for no matter what the circumstances are, you're, you're guilty. I mean, think about if, uh, you know, if every single time someone was killed, then there was a mandatory sentence and it did not take into effect um, a self-defense argument because you killed someone. So that should be a mandatory sentence, right? No, of course not. There are circumstances where murder may be um, justified even. Murder may be Um, A circumstance of PTSD or the terrible fear that Centoya probably lived with being in the sex trafficking world. You have no concept unless you've been near that, what those people go through and what's going on in their mind. She absolutely could have been in fear for her life. and On top of which, she was being fed drugs, so who even knows what her not even completely formed brain was thinking at that moment. So I think it's reasonable to take into context other things that are going on. I hope you've enjoyed this short little bonus about why it's really important to pay attention to cases like Centoya's, because you may not know her, and it might not even be in the state that you're living in, but it is not out of the ordinary. It is representative of many people's stories that are in the prison system right now. So I think let's pay attention to this. Let's support our Congresspeople and let let our voices be heard about when we want to change things because you don't know. It could be you. It could be you getting that life sentence because you were thrown into a circumstance you didn't expect. That justice system uh, may be, quote, the best in the world, but it's all we've got. I've heard that a lot, but that doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. There absolutely is. So thanks for listening. You can always email me at contact at will All Be Dead podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Someday will All Be Dead. And we're on Twitter, (coughs) excuse me, on uh, at Someday Dead PC. Please rate, review and subscribe if you like what you're hearing so I can continue doing this. And other people can find us. We're now finally on Spotify. Thank you to my nephew, Jacob, for finding that for me. And that's all I have to say about that. So everybody have a good week. I'm still going to try to put out another episode on Friday, but I thought this was important and I needed to get that out there. So have a great week, everyone.